What's up everyone? Welcome to the second episode of the Product Masterclass. In this episode, I speak to Nicholas Duplessis about a skills matrix concept about being a product manager. So there's four quadrants and we unpack it um, in detail in this conversation. Um, I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please hit that like button and also subscribe to the channel for future um, episodes that are coming up. Your support is highly appreciated. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, so firstly, I want to thank you for coming on. I know we, we've tried a few times to get this right, but um, I really appreciate yeah. you taking your time and joining me today um, to discuss um, you know, product and product management and all of that. So to firstly, just let the people know um, who you are, some of your background and your experience in the industry. Sure. So um, Nicholas or Nicholas Duplessis, uh, for short, you just call me Nick. Um, I've been in the engineering IT industry was about 12 years now. Um, started off as a, as a developer and kind of worked my way into product over the few years. Uh, it's given me a lot of gray hairs, uh, but it makes me look <laughs> more advanced, wise. I would assume. Wise is another word. Um, I'm currently in the e-com industry. Uh, there's quite a lot of cool stuff happening there, specifically in South Africa at the moment. Mm. Um, it's really seen a lot of uh, uptake in it. Uh, so exciting times in that space. Um, um, I think the first question that came to me was just like, uh, I know, again, we, you know, COVID is always that topic that everyone's talking about right now. And you said there's a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, how could you, I mean, you just hear of everyone sort of pivoting into going online. Um, how do you see product management uh, in that whole space and how the movement is realizing how much we can actually do online these days? I think, um, you know, and this is just personal opinion um, from what I've experienced, uh, you know, just generally, not necessarily with um, COVID. I think COVID just springboarded us into um, adopting some things a lot faster. Um, mm -hmm. You know, previously experienced, you know, I've worked with teams across the world, you know, with development teams sitting in the US, in Europe, in India, even up in, in, in Africa, Egypt side. And, you know, working in this space at this point in time um, isn't very new. Uh, to me personally, but as I mentioned, I think with COVID forcing, you know, local companies to become more remote um, and also facilitate remote work with teams, um, mm. just kind of pushed us into into a space. Look, it's definitely got its pros and cons. Um, I think specifically for, for us and product, uh, we have a, a, a lot of conversations. I think our conversation matrix, you know, within the teams, uh, or within your product teams surpasses eight to nine con <laughs> uh, conversation lines um, at one time. And that is a little bit more tricky to facilitate electronically mm. uh, because yes. you're not almost conversing, you know, with each other in a room, you're kind of conversing electronically um, and you do lose some of the facial expressions um, and your body yeah. language and understanding yeah. how a person reacts to a certain statement. Um, I think in that space, it's, it's made it slightly harder. Uh, but now, How would you see um, Scrum Masters facilitating um, 
or helping you in your facilitation of your teams uh, in this new way of working uh, that we're experiencing at the moment? That is a very unique question um, to ask because I think agile adoption in companies has been um, quite unique to the specific need of the company. Um, some companies actually don't have a scrum master role um, as part of the, the agile team. Whereas in previous companies I worked, we did. Um, it's also, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I haven't actually had a scrum master in my team for a few years now, interestingly this enough. Is, but that's exactly it, eh, Nick, because um, my whole reason I got to the name of product master was the fact that I'd never done one or the other role. I always found myself doing both. And I was like, well, let's put it together. It's a product master. Um, luckily enough, recently I have been able to do so. Um, and I'm seeing the benefits and the separation. So I'm kind of seeing the, the, the benefits to it, but I think you're right. It does depend on the, on the, and the company and stuff. Um, so, so how do you navigate then? How have you navigated sort of having to be the facilitator plus do the product stuff? I think, um, you know, again, from my experience, there's these different factors within a product uh, cycle. Um, and we've got your the actual product life cycle. You've got your project life cycle and then, you know, your system development life cycle. Um, mm -hmm. And I've kind of split these up into different quadrants of what we call, what I call product management in, in my own personal opinion. And you mm -hmm. kind of have the business part, um, the data parts, the design parts, and then the engineering parts. And how I, over the years, um, has facilitated, you know, kind of wearing hats in all these four quadrants. Mm. is dependent on the maturity of where the product's at. So if you start with your ideation or your problem solving, you are focusing a lot more on the business portion of, of the business quadrant. Um, now that's where your requirements really sit and your problem solving, your hypothesis, and, and mm. kind of then you wear your, your business strategist hat. Mm. working closely with stakeholders and, you know, looking at the views and concerns that they might have and ultimately the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, and as it matures into the data stage where, you know, now I actually go into the operational part of it. So operationally, we've got this problem. Operationally, we need to solve it and we need to do research on data. Um, How that's quickly... Also yeah. Sorry, it's just like how quickly do you normally see that transition into the data space? So I love it and I really want to unpack this because I think this could be the crux, you know, is the, you know, is looking at the, the different quadrants. Um, I'm very interested in data and, and I believe in that's how we, we make a lot of our decisions. So how do you see where does the data really become and you're talking about the life cycle. So when does data become important? Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine four quadrants, you know, next to one another and below each other, and it almost has a spiral. Um, in the infancy of a product, your spiral is quite uh, small. So when you, when you do ideation and problem solving hypothesis and problem statements, you kind of spiral between all, all four of the quadrants quite rapidly. So you go into business solution strategy, ROI, 
into data analysis, BI, gathering, you know, qualitative, quantitative data, making design decisions, um, you know, talking closely with the design stakeholders, the UI, UX guys on design thinking, you know, their processes, and then spiraling back into engineering to make sure that technically what you're trying to do is going to be feasible. Um, and as the, the project matures and, you know, you get more buy-in and the, uh, the path becomes a bit clearer over the time. Um, <clears throat> your um, percentage time spent in each quadrant might slow down mm. um, and, you know, you'll be in data and, well, you'll do quantitative data early mm. enough and then move into qualitative, which requires you to be more focused, more um, involved, work closely with the BI and machine learning teams to actually gather these things and create the mm. reports. And when you have that, you kind of slowly move through into design again, um, where you now articulate your findings to the design teams and they have their reportings and heat maps and all sorts of fun stuff that's funky things that design guys are able <laughs> to do nowadays. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately it feeds constantly as a spiral and as you know the life cycle continues and the project matures matures um, ultimately then you get to the place where development has actually started on an MVP and you start busy with the project life cycle if you want mm. to call it that but you know you actually have deliverables that come into play yeah. I think that's the quadrant where you wear the scrum master slash products owner slash manager hat because mm. now you're managing sideways downwards and upwards um, yeah. as a yeah. scrum master you're helping and facilitate the team and teams as a product mm. owner you might have different teams that you have to consult with um, and then as a product manager you're feeding back into stakeholders and putting new stuff on roadmaps and constantly having to you know, facilitate that. And that's why yeah. I say it's, it's, it's a, it no, is a I, spiral because it feels like that at times. Sometimes you <laughs> look day. around and you're like, where am I? <laughs> that's a daily, that's a Tuesday yeah. for us, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, I think, I think it's so great. And, and, and when I first met you and you, you sort of brought up this concept, um, it really hit home for me because I think that's exactly it. We, we, every day we kind of figure out like, you know, this part of the quadrant we're having to deal with today, you know, there's a, there's a DevOps issue. So now you're in that engineering space. Um, so let's say, so um, there's somebody that has heard about being a product manager, you know, and you say there's, it's very, you know, business orientated, being able to drive a product uh, into market and stuff like that. So, so let's just say that that person is strong at business. Um, now your other four quadrants that you've mentioned, do you need to have all four or are there one or two that complement each other? Um, and you know, can they, can you build, how would you build it out if, if you, if you weren't strong in, in all four, if you didn't have experience in all four? In that space, I think people is very important. Um, you know, as a, as an individual, it's very hard to drive change. Um, you know, you and I are good examples. We probably in our lifetime try to push agile and the benefits of it. Um, only when it started being adopted by more and more people that the value of it become more relevant. And I think 
you know, saying that it's it's very similar to to the space in, in product management. It is a very new role within our industry. Um, product development in engineering has always been there, but now we've kind of moving moved it into the software space, which just kind of made it slightly a bit more interesting. And also, <laughs> the skill set of a product manager is, is being defined daily. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and to come to, to to an answer to your question, I think, and why I say people is important, in the event where you might not have relevant exposure um, to these different quadrants, it's always very helpful to have subject matter experts that are um, aligned with the products that you're wanting to deliver. Um, and it's up to you to uh, communicate the value of what you're trying to achieve. And I think once you align people to the ultimate outcome that you're trying to um, achieve, the output won't be that difficult for them to do um, because it might be something that they connect personally with, it might be something that they're personally excited about, or you are just a good salesman and you can <laughs> sell it well. Um, and I think as you work closely with, with these subject matter experts, they learn a bit more about the business savvy side, you learn a bit more about you know the data aspects mm, of So like you're learning by doing yeah and and also you're kind of teaching one another because opinions are always strong when you have experts in the room mm. <laughs> and the debates become very interesting <laughs> um, yeah. but it does it does provide different perspectives around you know the room about how can we best use you know machine learning to mine data so from a bi perspective we can get better results um, and if you can focus that, you know, laser focus that on a specific product that you are pushing, you know, for the next product, it might be a lot easier, um, even for mm -hmm. that team. And I think the same for the design and the engineering space. Uh, it so, also creates a nice cohesion within the, the different teams within these quadrants, which is ultimately mm -hmm. um, required to deliver in those spaces. Yeah, I think I think that the product space in general is still um, sort of finding its feet. Um, uh, where a colleague said to me today, even that in Silicon Valley, she's part of a, a Slack channel in Silicon Valley, and, and people there are still figuring out product and all of that. Um, so yeah, there's still a lot of a lot of room for learning. Um, so if we had to look back at the quadrant, um, your design things. Um, I think that 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 hypothesis kind of element to it, like where we look at hypothesis um, and how do we start un unraveling them. Uh, can you give us some insights um, according to a quadrant to the importance and how the role it plays for a product manager yeah, so, specifically? No, for sure. Um, so I kind of think about it as, and I'll, I'll just kind of put it in sequence is the business quadrant is almost a requirement quadrant. Um, the data quadrant is the, the operational quadrant. It's like, how would we do this? How would this work? What would it actually achieve? Um, the design quadrant is the behavioral quadrant. So we identified an opportunity. We've looked at it operationally. It looked feasible, but now uh, we need to identify behavior. And if that behavior will actually um, be something that will be you know, up, taken up by customers or internal, um, internal or external customers. And I always say, um, and this comes from my engineering experience, that a server, a service is also a customer of another service. So 
That's an interesting in that space. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's not necessarily the behavior of the end user. It's also the behavior of one service talking to another service or a monolithic system talking to a database or an API. Mm. You know, probably there's many behaviors that you need to take into account when you do design. It's, it's sometimes just seen as the front end, which is extremely important. Um, but just as important is is the actual behavioral designs of the systems that you that you are mm. put into place before you actually move it into the engineering. Um, yeah. So, and if you are in a early phased project, what? Um, let's look at those four quadrants um, and just in general the, the the makeup of a of a development team uh, or a scrum team, whatever you want to you know call them. Who would you have around your table? So what sort of uh, skill sets or like roles would you want as a product manager? You like, we have this problem we want to start solving. Early stage, who do you have around the table? You know, that's, that's a very um, interesting question. And why I say that it, it's because it's very situational to the type of problem that you are going to be solving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it is a, you can actually even imagine identifying problems within each quadrant. Um, if it is a problem that is from business, you will definitely need to have students, strong individuals in, in the business space, um, but equally strong individuals in the engineering and design space. Um, but the hypothesis will most likely be driven by the individual within the business space. And I could, as a product manager, also just be a supporting role in that space. Mm. Um, where there's lacking, um, you know, if you're sitting right in the middle and this is one liner open ended uh, requirements that we receive mm. on a weekly basis as product managers, um, <laughs> I would say identifying, you know, strong subject matter experts in, in the fields um, in, in, in both quadrants. For me specifically, people that I've built a relationship with that understands that it's, it's a macro architecture. Um, you know, where you need to make very quick um, decisions, but also be able to be strong enough to stand with the decisions and back each other up. I think that is for me more important at times than actually having the relevant experience um, mm. because experience you can gain uh, if, mm. you, if you understand that. Um, mm. But if you falter on opinions and you have disagreements, then you're actually losing. Um, yeah. I think a strong team that you can trust and that's open to opinions, that for me is, 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 is who I would like to add. No, I, I, uh, I love that. I think I've worked in teams where people, there was lacking trust or they didn't feel like they had a voice in the team. So I guess that's where that, the, the topic of the Scrum Master or a good product manager needs to come in and play to, to break down that so that those conversations and that ideation and whatever it is gonna, can take place freely. Mm -hmm and people can work with that. So, yeah. Um, I think what I would like to add to our mm. discussion is almost mm. at the core um, of all the quadrants and that spiral is always people. Um, you can't deliver anything physical or software related without the people. Mm. Um, and 
I think for me, just kind of moving a little bit more broader on, on this topic, and it's the topic that's everywhere, you know, in, in the talks which we listen to, is that mm. the core of everything is, is the people, and the trust relationship is what actually keeps these quadrants together. Um, mm. If there's no trust within the, the different teams that you work in, you know, you might work with business development in business, and they're very far separated from the design teams, there's never going to be very good cohesion. And I think as product managers, that is also a very, very important soft skill that um, is sometimes overlooked. Um, and, and that is people management and emotional mm. management. And Interpersonal skills. Yeah. It's so having things. a high EQ, it's, it's, it's massive. I, I, I actually did a, a course um, not so long ago for body language and reading body language and how it assisted me when I was um, specifically presenting workshops. And you could easily pick up when somebody was disengaging at a time where they actually needed to be very involved to give their opinion. Because what happens if that individual kind of disconnects, um, the best solution might not be put on the table. Um, or perspective that was required to maybe it, you know, address it from a different angle was mm. lost. Um, so for me, I think what keeps all these quadrants together is just the people and the relationships. And as a product manager, that's what makes our, our work very interesting. <laughs> Do you think the people that are above us that are, you know, um, the, let's say the project sponsors, let's say, or the, you know, the outside client, let's say, um, do you think they understand what we're doing in the background with that orchestra again? Because that's it again, it's the people are, are putting that orchestra together and making sure everyone's kind of coming to the, to the body. Do you think there's a, there's a gap there? You know, um, to use your analogy, you know, I'm going to expand on, on it a little bit slightly more. Um, as a sponsor or a, um, you, know, cap, you know, adding capital into it, hmm. if I was that individual going to a concert, I just want to listen to beautiful music. <laughs> I want to pay for my ticket. I want to sit in my comfortable chair. I want to sit back and I want to see the, the you know, the amazing stuff that, that is happening in front of me. Um, and I will appreciate it more because I know the effort that goes into, you know, the practicing and the composer needing to align everybody. Um, and I think that is important is to keep um, the personal connection with the stakeholder, the sponsor, um, the investor, alive because that's their dream is they want to listen to a beautiful piece of music um, yeah. and to keep them connected to that them. dream and keep them excited about that dream or you know that that beautiful piece of music or this beautiful product that they're wanting to launch mm. um it's almost it's almost it's their baby and you know <laughs> they've given it to us and to, to yeah. mature we it have to and, babysit it yes um, teach it all the, the right things day, yeah. And I think, you know, as, as everybody, you know, and as, as, as human beings, we've always had tribes and some of the people in the tribe were hunters, some were boulders, some fish water, everybody had a specific place in that. And you put that all together. You don't know how hard the guy had to run 
past. <laughs> yeah, a lot and, of and I don't think that any 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 part of that team, while that person's fetching the water, someone's busy hunting. Let's say, um, uh, and I don't think that there's any part of that team that is not as important as the other one. Um, no, because they all never. need to be working. And, I, and that's why I love what you're saying about the people are in the middle, because um, it, it's making sure that everyone's kind of dancing together is how you will be able to deliver that, that end goal or look after that baby as such. We're using a lot of analogies today. <laughs> no, and I think it's good to use analogies that's commonly, you know, digested by, by the listeners or anybody mm. that's, that wants to kind of be in the space. Um, because at the end of the day, when everybody comes together to, you know, watch the, the play, listen to the orchestra, you know, eats, <laughs> eats supper together, everybody is there and everybody's having a good time. Everybody is appreciative of one another and the effort they put in. And if somebody didn't get the water mm. that day because of whatever happened, because it's a group and a community, it's not frowned upon. It's almost like an accepted, like, you know what, mm. tomorrow failure is good. You know, you're turning losses into lessons as you go along. Um, and the reason why I'm kind of saying this and to pull it back together again is um, that if you can keep people motivated and excited about what you're trying to deliver, it doesn't matter what rank they are. Leadership is kind of doesn't equate to rank. Um, you have, if you can lead this team, including yourself, stakeholders as part of that team and not see them as a separate entity or this person that mm. the scary person that's going to come in and <laughs> say some things or derail anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know bring them into the water yeah make them part of it and, and keep yeah. the motivation alive and what's cool about that is when you are sometimes demotivated these individuals keep that motivation flowing you know, mm. and, you know, pushing everything forward, even the, even the sponsors at times. So, yeah, I think of an incident that happened this week for me. Um, uh, I held a workshop and for me, I was like, Oh, workshop didn't work that well. It was a bit of an ideation strategy workshop. We got everyone, like you said, like got the stakeholders got everyone together and stuff. And, you know, we spent quite a bit of time together and at the end I was like, oh, that didn't quite hit the mark. You know, we didn't actually finish that workshop with the outcome that we were looking for. And that was earlier this week. And then today I had my team telling me no, but that was fine. Like we learned a hell of a lot during that time and that's okay. But because they understand the people and how we're all doing this dance together. And it was just, it was great to hear that from your team, giving that kind of like, don't worry, that was still a great workshop and we learned a lot from it. Um, so they were still motivated. It's not like they left and said, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. No, and, and I think, um, you know, having said this and having had this discussion, it actually leads up perfectly to the last quadrant, which is engineering. Um, and another term for us is now, this is the physical build. Um, you know, we've identified the requirements, the operational stuff, our data, the behavioral elements that's needed. Now the rubber needs to the road on. So, you have to kind of start paying the brass tax. And then and that microscope um, comes in there, hey, on the engineering exactly. side. Um, and, and for having a facilitating the team and grooming of the, um, the relationships and the trust and the communication channels and, and creating a very transparent um, space where everybody can engage as, as required. 
when it starts getting, you know, physical and anything, you know, exercise, you know, you can dream about exercise until you go and run on a, <laughs> yeah. a 10K, then, it's, then it really gets hard. Uh, you know, the first few Ks, that's good. Everybody's excited mm. and motivated. But when yeah. you hit, you know, oh, some people might think 10Ks is nothing, but for me, that's a lot. But if you hit, you know, 7Ks, legs are tired. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's when it really, that's when you really rely on, you know, your training um, and, and the, almost the team and yeah. individuals that kind of have stronger, um, you know, skills in certain areas to kind of push you through. Um, mm. And you then of a sports runner if you want to call it that mm, mm, mm. Uh, motivating and pushing on and forward and kind of trying to remove obstacles mm. um, and yeah that's why I say you know when the engineering quadrant hits is is, is it's very um, it's very important to have those things and especially from engineering teams perspectives um, they sometimes do feel slightly disconnected mm. uh, uh, let's finish off by talking about why would someone what is the what is your favorite part about being a product manager um and if someone says what makes your job cool what do you enjoy the most about it you know what if i can sum it up and i'll, I'll leave it as our um, ending statement is we all have dreams um and as a product manager i feel and i think this is why i've been doing what i'm doing um, for so long is that I can enable you to put your dream, your vision, um, your contribution to society um, into something feasible. Who knows the next product that I'm going to deliver or be a part of can change the world as we know it. Mm. We've seen many of these uh, type of products that that's really changed the way the world works um, mm. to be honest that's it um, solving problems and, and realizing dreams I, I can't agree with you more and it's, and being able to contribute something to society that can better society going forward and you know you never know the next project it might be two projects down the line mm. it might be five mm. years down the line but you can then do something that will improve the lives mm. of my children and my grandchildren going forward. And yeah. I think that is what drives me and what makes me keep going forward with this year. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, it you know, I, I, what I also enjoy about it is that we work on products that are coming up. So we, we see the future. We know what yeah. we're working on. When we talk about machine learning and AI, because we know what's coming, we know what kind of things the machines are starting to learn. So yeah, that's super exciting. I love that uh, side of the product. But anyways, I no, think we can wrap it up there. Um, cool, man. Nick, it's, Nick, been, it's been awesome. Really awesome. I think we could probably carry on talking, but uh, yeah, thanks again. Um, and yeah, who knows, maybe we'll see you again as well. No, for sure. We can kind of have like a to be continued. Dot, yeah. Dot, dot. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, you know, there's so many conversations that you can have about this space. Um, I think and what you're doing and, and, and being um, creating the opportunity with your, your, your um, initiative here, you'll see that it, it, it's, it's what's needed. It's what's mm. needed. Product people, we don't really discuss much because we are so focused on our teams. Mm. And we actually and deliverables. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Um, but thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been a pleasure. No, likewise.
have a good evening and uh, yeah, thanks very much. Awesome. And see you again, hopefully then. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Luke.